hey everybody, this is AJ and Pastor Jim, and we are, uh, this is actually a re-recording of uh, what we did Sunday morning, so this is a, well, I've done this before, but we've not done this together, so no technology problems, but here we are, and so uh, we had the first week of our two-week class on anthropology, race, and critical theory last Sunday, that's what we're going to redo right now, and then this upcoming Sunday, which will be on YouTube as well, will be our, our next one. Yeah, whenever we've had to redo a podcast, which is like once, it, the goal is not to duplicate the environment. It's just to talk through the same concept. Yeah. Because yeah. should you have missed it Sunday, it was pretty neat to see a preponderance of people in the room. And yeah. It was a large gathering. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was In some regards, yeah. you could say there was some electricity of engagement. Right. That we can't duplicate right now. But I, I was personally very thankful. Right now we're just looking at ourselves, so it's different. Yeah, so, uh, but we want to walk through the same content. Yeah. So we'll do the best we can to mirror the way that we did that dialogue, but. Yeah. See how it goes. Yeah. Well, let me pray as we yeah. start. Father, we uh, thank you Lord, that we are your people. We thank you that you have made us so, that you uh, have elected us from long ago and uh, brought us that vow. Father, we thank you, um, Lord, that you speak to us and teach us through your word. And we pray that you would do that now. Uh, Lord, help uh, Jim and I as we teach. Um, Lord, help those as they listen, that your spirit would guide us and lead us, um, ultimately lead us to your truth and to faith in your son. So bless this time we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right, so um, for those listening, uh, we'll have a link um, on here to access the, the notes so, so you can follow along or, or take notes as, as you have that. But um, first big question just before we hop in is really why are we doing this? Why are we doing this seminar in general? And uh, part of the reason is it's, it's just relevant, right? This is, and for the last several years, this has been a culturally relevant topic. Yeah. Um, and so it's appropriate for us to, yeah. to jump into it. Um, but the, the second thing um, is that this is kind of the right way for us to do it. Not yeah, not in my video. office on a second recording, but yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the things we want to make clear is our philosophy of teaching is expository in nature. We want to be in the text of Scripture, in its context, yeah. and studying God's Word so we see the Gospel in the text. Yeah. Of course, when we study across books of the Bible and do that, we're going to cover all sorts of themes and areas, right. but our community groups and our Sunday Lord's Day worship are, are the locus of our teaching is not hot topics of the world, yeah. right? Yeah. So our equip seminars, that's one of our goals. So yeah. we put on Sunday yeah. mornings realizing it would be easier for more folks to come, and I reach out a lot of people in the class, <laughs> which so is great. Yeah. But another reason that we are doing this is the scriptures do give strong guidance to us about how we regard people. Yeah. So yeah. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, he, he says, you know, we... We once regarded one another. We once regarded Christ in yeah. a certain way, but we yeah. no longer regard others in that way. Yeah. And we'll say more about that text later. That's Second Corinthians five seventeen. But when we were at General Assembly this past summer, we sat in on a worship service, and Kevin DeYoung was preaching. This is right. the text he preached from. And what he said from the front, which was so, so profound to me, was the issue of our day is anthropology. Yeah. Uh, and you know what was the issue of the day during the Protestant Reformation? In the church, the issue was justification by faith alone, yeah. through Christ alone, and his righteousness, right? So there are centuries, there's eras, seasons, where the church needs to hone in on an issue. Some specific thing, yeah. And I do believe that the way that our world is telling us to regard people, to regard race, to regard gender, it is 
right? Dominant conversational reality in our world. Definitions are changing yeah. constantly, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and the Bible gives us an anthropological grid that yeah. we must know. And so that's our goal. That's yeah. Our yeah. Yeah. So this this week on here, uh, we're really just going to hit foundations. And so, I mean, a lot of this today is about anthropology, um, and, and that is our biblical foundation as we begin to think about race and, and justice and all these things. So we, we have to understand people and right, how God has made us all that first. I don't even think Sunday morning we define the word anthropology, but no. uh, I can do the best. Anthropology is the study of man. Right. right? Yep. So that's what we're going to talk about is, yep. is what is humanity, yep. essentially, according to the word of God. Yeah, and then we'll also hit justice uh, at the end. So we just want to hit those two foundations, and then next week's uh, we'll, we'll be more kind of taking those foundations and applying them as we engage with racial discussion, critical race theory, things like that. So, um, with that, we'll, we'll jump in. So, the first foundation of anthropology, right? What is man? What does God tell us about humanity? Um, and what you'll see on the notes is, is there's a great amount of unity. Right? There's a great amount of oneness. And so, first thing is, is we are one in creation. And so, we, right, we see this from the very beginning in Genesis 1 to 2, but also in Acts 17, that's where Paul's preaching in Athens. He says, God made from one man every nation. Of mankind, uh, he says a similar thing in Ephesians three as he's praying. So every person, every human who's ever lived traces back to Adam, to one man, to Adam and Eve, right? Like that, we have that uh, unity, and so we're going to have a similar makeup, a similar nature, right? But, but there's something that is humanity because of that. And creation differentiates the glory and the goodness, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, but we've been made in the image of God, and yeah. so that is the clip. There's not just a unity, right? Of identity, there is a unity of purpose. Yeah, and yep. so that is abundantly clear. Even and we we're gonna make it look like it goes fast, but we went fast on Sunday morning too. We're not gonna read all these things, yeah. but you just have the creation account. Yeah, evidence of unity. Yeah, you have the New Testament affirmed the unity yeah. at creation. Yeah, and that's really where we have to start. With. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just you mentioned image of God. So as we think about image of God, right? Is is you read Genesis one and two. Um, if, if you just sit down and read it, you, you, you're, you're, you should be struck by, as God makes all these different animals, creations, things, like all, as he makes all of creation, he makes them after their kinds, um, but then when he gets to man, he makes man in his image, and there's just this start. In his kind. Yeah, and after God's kind. Yeah, uh, and yeah. so, uh, humanity stands in, in this most unique spot of all creation, that we are made to be like God in, in God's image. And so we're going to talk about what does that mean as far as our nature, our mission, our goal. Um, yeah, so those three words are, they're clearly given to us in the creation account. Yeah. Man's nature, man's mission, and the goal of God making man. So just to, to hit that, man's nature, according to God's kind, we've been made yeah. in his image. Now, one thing that is important, I think, is when you look in Genesis 1, there is only one... Yeah. Identifier, descriptor, yeah. Distinction, something. The only distinction given at creation of different kinds of humans made in the image of God is male or female. Yeah. That is That's that it. is the only differentness between any of the creatures, any of the humans made in God's image. Yeah. So, nature in God's image, male and female. What's the mission? Though? Yeah. So, if we look in Genesis one, the creation mandate, Genesis two, you've got be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over the rest of the, the world and the creatures that I have made fill the earth. Yeah. Um, multiply. Yeah. These are things that God has given as part of man's mission. Yeah. But what's the goal? And we know that the 
The Lord's Catechism tells us the goal is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We know that in Isaiah 43, God says, All those whom I formed and I made for my glory. Right? So we have all these places in Scripture saved for God's glory, but one of the things we talked about Sunday is the goal of God creating His image bearers to be like Him is that we would know Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's not something that is divorced from a biblical view of mankind. Right. We are made to experience our humanity in the fullest sense in relationship with our Creator. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in fact, that's what Paul says in Acts 17. Yeah. When yeah, he talks right. about um, that, that man might seek God and find their way toward Him. Mm-hmm. Right. So that God made us that we would want to find Him. Right. Yeah. Of course, prior to the fall, God was there to be found. Yeah. Because he was there with his people. Yeah. Um, and I think this is something easily forgotten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when we see it, I mean, you see it just lived out in the garden, right? Pre falls. God's just there in the garden with them. Yeah. And they're just, I mean, hanging out sounds too trivial, but um, Adam and Eve are friends with God there. And then you see it as God makes all of his promises of, you know, he's going to dwell with his people. And then you see it in Revelation 21 and 22, at the very end of the Bible, in kind of the, the temple city garden. Um, that what is the end uh, for God's people is that we get to dwell with God. And so that idea of being now, with God... But let me qualify that real quick, because we're going to get into redemption in a second. Yeah. The end for God's people is to be with God the way it was at creation. Yeah. But at creation, the end for the, the desired end for all mankind was that we would be with God. And yeah. So as we go to work, or we are on the sideline of a sport field, or we have that person who gets on our last nerve, I have to think that the goal of humanity is yeah. relationship yeah. with God. Yeah. If I'm going to have a biblical anthropological uh-huh. grid. Because my tendency, this is not true at Christ community, but you know, in other parts of my life sometimes is to have a different goal for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, if we can say so my goal for that employee is just that they get their work done on time. Like yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. My goal is that that parent who is so obnoxious on the sideline would do a little social self check and recognize how embarrassing they are to their kid. Like that's my goal yeah. is that the Somebody has a maturity experience or whatever. That may be true in the moment. And it could be all sorts of things. An employer might have certain goals of an employee. But when it comes to humans interacting with humans, the goal of humanity is the glory of God and man to have a relationship with God. And sin has marred that and ruined that. But it doesn't change the dignity and beauty of Uh what is made in the image of God. Yeah, Yeah, and the, the other angle that you could say the same thing is every individual's greatest need is to know God. That's a great way to say it. They may not acknowledge that, may not realize that. We may not realize that ourselves often, but um, that's that's the most fundamental thing. So so we're all in the image of God. We we share that in common. Uh, We're all created uh, in that way. Um, But then we're all fallen. There's a oneness in our fallenness. And so this happens in Genesis 3, but then Paul talks about it in Romans uh, 5. And I'll just read uh, a couple verses from that. It says, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, uh, because all sin. So all of us have sinned, all of us have death awaiting us. Uh, it goes on, uh, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. So we're all condemned and guilty. Uh, and then finally he says, uh, as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. And so as humanity, we're all fallen, which means we, we all are... Uh, kind of united in, in our sinning, in our being sinners, in our guilt, uh, in the death that awaits us and being sinned. Like, we all have that. 
in common as well, right? Every, every person, save Jesus, has, has had that uh, upon them, and, and that's part of what bonds us together as well. So this is a simplicity of biblical anthropology. Yeah. Unity in creation, <laughs> oneness, uh-huh. and oneness in the fall, uh-huh. right? And this might play more into this upcoming Sunday, probably will, but one of the things that I think is profoundly displayed in Scripture that we share in this life is that the curse of the fall that God describes in Genesis 3, there is a consequence that has a major impact on mankind. And so uh, in Genesis chapter 3, when the curse is given from God to the woman, God says that your desire is going to be for your husband, but he's going to rule over you. So one of the consequences of the fall of sin for one mankind was that suddenly there is a power struggle now. Mm between two sinners mm-hmm. who are no longer living righteously and in communion with each other or with God the way they were prior to the fall. Yeah. All right, so I, it's between male and female, which, interestingly enough, those are the only two descriptors that separate right. the differences between yeah. hum, humans at creation, right? Yeah. So you have a power struggle in the one descriptor that Scripture has given us. stands to reason, then, that in a world like we live in, what does sin look like among humans? It looks like power struggle. Yeah. And that will be something that we talk about a lot yeah. this upcoming Sunday. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is in a fallen world, the consequence of sin that we all share is governed by God. Yeah. And so I think of Genesis chapter 11 when mm-hmm. after the flood, yeah, yeah. then you have kind of a united mankind again, and you have the, the story of the Tower of Babel, right? And so you end up having... Mankind, in in pride, tried to build a city, build towers to be like God themselves, yeah. right? And God realizes, or God decides, that this is not going to last. And so God confuses languages, and the scripture says in Genesis 11 that God dispersed mankind. Again, it stands to reason then. If sin is a power play between the things that separated differences between mm-hmm. male and female, what's going to happen as soon as languages and dispersion happens across the face of the earth among sinners? Cultural power plays. Yeah. And so again, we're trying to have a biblical anthropological grid. One in creation, one in the fall, but even the consequences of the violation of that unity show up very early in Scripture. Yeah. Oh yeah. Straight away. Yeah, I mean, chapter, chapter four, uh, you have one brother murder another brother. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it just goes down from there. Yeah. Um, so we have that, uh, unity in, um, kind of our nature or, or rather the state of humanity. It's fallen, but created in the image of God. We also have a unity in, in redemption. And so as God begins, uh, or is at work to redeem his people from the very beginning, uh, and to the end, there's, there's a unity in that. And so, we see this in the Old Testament, and, and a lot of what we see in the Old Testament um, is, is we see the, this kind of unity of this uh, nation's emphasis in practice, right? It's actually present in the Old Testament, but then it's also prophesied to, to come in a greater way in the New Testament, right? So there's, there's more to come. Um, it's kind of the already but not yet in the Old Testament form. Um, and so you think about Genesis 12, where God calls calls Abram and he says, I'm going to bless the nations through you. And there's, there's blessing, blessing and cursing there. Um, but then there's, there's, there's these examples where we see that Israel isn't simply ethnic. 
Israel. Right? There, there's actually an ethnic diversity to the people of Israel. So a couple of examples. Genesis 41, Joseph is down in Egypt, and he's serving Pharaoh there. But then Pharaoh gives him in marriage uh, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Um, and so he's given an Egyptian wife. And then later in verses 50 to 52, we read that she bears Manasseh and Ephraim. And so you kind of trace that out. Two of the tribes of Israel, at their, their very base, They're are half church. Egyptian and half Israelite, or, well, half Hebrew, half uh, of Abraham. Um, so we see that early. You think of uh, Judah and Tamar. Uh, she's likely Canaanite. Moses marries a Cushite. Uh, Numbers 12, we see that. Aaron marries a daughter of Pudiel, um, and that's like she's likely Egyptian. Uh, Phineas is, is their son. Uh, you can think of Rahab, uh, you can think of Ruth, the Moabite. We see all these different instances where these nations are actually brought in to be the people. Yeah. We, we actually have like a, just a phrase description in Exodus chapter 12. Yeah. That's easy to read right over, but it's a profound reality. It says that when there were approximately 600,000 persons leaving in the Exodus out of Egypt, let me just quote the scripture, Israel left Egypt a mixed multitude. Yeah. So there were Egyptians that were participating in the great moment of redemption that the rest of the Bible points back to you as sort of the paradigm yeah. of freedom from sin, yeah. freedom from Egypt, yeah. freedom from slavery, to the promised land. This image of our salvation is described in Exodus itself yeah. as something surprisingly broad yeah. Yeah. and not just monolithic yeah. in its ethnicity. Yeah. Yeah, so, so this nation's emphasis isn't something that's only, it's not exclusive to the New Testament. We, we see it in the Old, even in practice, but we also see it prophesied. Well, the there. reason you're saying that, though, is uh-huh. because there's a, there's a lot of traditions in Christianity and yeah. uh, theological grids or ways of interpreting the Bible where you hear people say, and I would hope that, and that's what I said Sunday, like if you have a friend who's a Christian who says, the Old Testament's about Israel and the New Testament's about the world, you should ask them to go to coffee and press in there, because that's not the way the Bible describes that. Yeah. You have all these moments in the Old Testament, but also prophecies yeah. in the Old Testament that say yeah. God is about the salvation of, of the nations. Yeah. And so we have that in Psalm 67. Yeah. Just a very short psalm, but beautiful about God's salvation of the nations. Absolutely. Uh, the book of Isaiah. Yeah. Is, it ends with all flesh worshiping God, but in Isaiah 19, you have this weird scene. There's different powers of the day. Of course, you have Assyria, Egypt, you have Israel. And then there's this description that God is basically going to call his own people from the Assyrians, from yeah. the Egyptians, yeah. from the Israelites. He's going to, he's going to ransom the redeemed. Yeah. He's going to rescue the redeemed, or, and, or the remnant, excuse yeah. me, that's the word yeah. I'm looking for. And so you just have this constancy in the Old Testament of something far more vast that represents one mankind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you, we cannot cover all the texts in the Old Testament. So there's, there's tons out there. The last one I'll mention is Amos 9. And I won't read it, but you can go read it. Amos 9, 11 to 12. This is quoted by James in the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 as kind of his Old Testament proof that verifies what God is doing in bringing in the Gentiles in, in a very large way in the book of Acts. And so um, that, that's his proof text, which is... So, so James, James preaches a sermon at the first Presbyterian meeting, yeah. and he uses Amos 9 in his text. Yeah. AJ's got to preach at Presbyterian in a month. Yeah. I don't know if you want to use Amos. Yeah. But that's what James did. <laughs> oh, by the way, because we have to try to at least duplicate some parts of Sunday. <laughs> Maybe you can tell when we talk, it's true in our podcast too, yeah. that uh, we kind of had, you had a re- 
a revelation as to how we can do things. <laughs> a revelation. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like the play-by-play guy and Jim, the color commentator. This is how we roll. <laughs> it does, yeah, and it, that's the we, way. We got we got some verbal affirmation of that. So yeah, there was there say? was a little bit. There was only <laughs> amen. We got the entire uh, anyway. and some good laughs. So yeah, there's a lot of truth. To it. So therefore, repeated for you, Crystal Dove. So in line with that, let me keep us moving. Um, and so the New Testament, right? This is just expanded. Uh, yeah. It's highlighted a little bit more. I mean, there is a shift from old to new, but. We see this in the new, and you can think Acts 1-8, um, where go to the nations, uh, Matthew 28, go to the nations, uh, Galatians 2-3 uh, speaks of, um, really, to be a son of Abraham is to have faith in Jesus. Like, it's faith that determines that lineage, uh, not uh, this ethnic lineage. Um, Ephesians 2-4 to uh, talks a ton about unity between Jew and Gentile, uh, talks about the mystery of the Gentile being brought in. Um, and then in chapter 4, he talks about like there's one baptism, one Lord, one faith, uh, one spirit, one God and Father of all. So there's this oneness in the redeemed, in the body of Christ. And we, we can end with Revelation 7, right, where John has this vision uh, of, of God's people worshiping God. And it's a great multitude from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Um, and then the word nation there is the word ethnos. So it's ethnicity. Sometimes it's translated Gentile. So that's kind of those words all yeah. go together. That's what we see. It's, it's God's, you say God's heart has always been. Well, it's so profound in the epistles. I mean, yeah. Galatians 2 and 3. Yeah. I mean, you could just, that's a big one for me. But you could almost say, back to the beginning comment that I made about, you know, Kevin Young saying anthropology is the issue of our day, how mankind came together to experience one salvation was really one of the issues of the, of the day of the apostles as well. Yeah. I mean, you oh, just look yeah. at all the different yeah. epistles. This is the issue of how does it, yeah, how does a message that came by means of a promise to Abraham, the father of Israel, end up being for the Gentiles? Yeah. And multiple of Paul's epistles and interactions between Paul and Peter are about that particular thing, yeah. which is an anthropological reality. Yep. Yep. Linked to salvation. Yeah. Yeah. By grace through faith alone. So we're not talking about something that's not always been a critical issue. Yeah. I use the word critical. Um, come this Sunday, we'll talk more about that. Uh, but it, it is it is a central reality that Christians must grapple yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the foundation, right? One, we have a oneness in creation. We're all in the image of God. We have a oneness in our fallenness. Uh, all fallen, sinful, rebellious, guilty, uh, awaiting death in Adam. But there's a oneness in redemption that, that God's work of redemption has always been. Um, this this oneness, if you this kind of across. Yep. Humanity. So, if that's the foundation, the question is, what do we do with this? How do we build, how do we get practical on that foundation? So, I'll let you kick it off here. Yeah, I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians 5.17 instead of just quoting it. Um, I think it's important to read. This is what I mentioned right at the gate, out of the gate earlier. But Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he talks about how our goal is to persuade others, to love others, to be ambassadors of Christ. But then he says this. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That is an absolute statement. Yeah. No one. Yeah. I'm not to regard you according to the flesh. Right. I see you in the flesh. I'm hanging out with you in the flesh. But I don't regard you in that way. So the Bible is very direct in telling us that we have ways we must regard, ways we must think about one another. So Paul says, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. I mean, think about Jesus coming. Yeah. And 
Paul, who was formerly Saul, I mean, certainly he regarded the message of the gospel yeah. as though Jesus was just a man in the flesh. For it was blasphemous that he would say he was God. Yeah. This is why Jesus died on the cross, uh -huh. is he was regarded as only one who was of flesh. Yeah. But he wasn't. He was God and human. And so Paul says, we once regarded Christ according to flesh, but we don't regard him that way any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. So I, I won't go further than that, but Paul's general point is, if I meet another believer, the dominant way I must regard them is they are no longer in the flesh. They are in Christ. Yeah. And if I engage a non-believer yeah. who does not believe that God came in the flesh for our rescue in the person of Jesus, who doesn't believe their sin needs to be forgiven, who doesn't believe the goal of creation is to be one with God, yeah. then I'm to regard that person not by any other identifier than the fact that they're still in the flesh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So the Bible does begin to tell us that if we're going to have the grid that we ought have of humanity, yeah. then we should think very carefully how we regard others. Yeah. And that's really why we're doing this, yeah. Yeah. this Equip Center. Yeah, I mean, maybe fundamentally, um, everyone is either in Christ or in Adam. Boom. Right, and that's... There's, no, Boom, that's there's it. no gray area, there's no third category, it's one or the other. And, and if we're in Christ or in Adam, then that is our dominant reality. Yeah. And yet we live in a world where right now, but always, yeah. other descriptors yeah. are declared to be our identity yeah. by which we want to be regarded. Yeah. Right? And so that's kind of where we'll turn here a yeah. little bit to apply this foundation, and it leads really into what we'll talk about someday. Yeah. And the other thing I'll add, and, and just a, a basic thought of our view of others, is if... If we're all in made in God's image, if every person, no matter how much you dislike them or how evil they are, is still made in God's image, and if every person, no matter how, how good they are, is still has that fallen nature, is still there, even even us who are redeemed, like that, that still clings to us until we're um, until we until Jesus comes back. But if that's true, then as we interact with other people, we should expect good and bad. Like we we should always just have that expectation that there's going to be good things, there's going to be honorable things, there's going to be God honoring things. Um, but there's going to be sin, um, brokenness, misery, those things as well. And that's, that goes for as we interact with individuals, but also as we think about groups, how we want to kind of define that group. And there's, there's appropriate, um, that, that can be appropriate to have groups, but as we think about different groups, that good and bad will be there. It's going to be there. as well. So. Well, as you mentioned the word groups, um, there are categories in the scripture yep. that are given to us as to the way that the Bible would describe Large, typically, yeah. groups of people. So yeah. let's transition to that. Yeah. Um, why don't you go ahead and hit the uh, yeah. First Corinthians 9. Yeah, so in Paul's personal philosophy of ministry, which I think it really comes to us in both of the books that he writes, the letters he writes to the Church of Corinth, in First Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is going to say some things that are that actually acknowledge that he chooses to approach different groups of people differently mm -hmm. for the sake of the gospel. Yep. I don't need to read it to you. I'll, I'll quote some of it here in a second. Um, but what we have to know is when we consider what he said in 1 Corinthians 9, he's not violating what he has written in Galatians chapter 3. Yeah. In Galatians chapter 3, as he talks about the gospel, as relates man, he says, in Christ, if we regard people as in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, Greek yeah. slave or free, Male or female. Yeah. He goes all the way back to the identifiers given yeah. to us in yeah, creation. Yeah. He's saying that's how dominant we should view someone as only in Christ or not in Christ. We do yeah. not go down the path of saying, yeah, but, but I'm mostly something else. Yeah. Jew, Greek, yeah. slave, free, barbarian, Scythian, whatever. Yeah. Okay, 
So he's not going to violate that. But in 1 Corinthians 9, he does a little pivot for the sake of mission. Yeah. And that's the place where he says, I'm willing to become all things to all people. So in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, to the Jew, I become like the Jew, that that I can win the Jews to the gospel of Jesus. To one who's under the law, I'll be under the law. To one who's outside the law, to the Gentiles, to those of different ethnicities, those who don't know the promises of God that come through the people of Israel, I will appeal to them as they are. And I think that that's sort of a caution or a challenge to the church to say, we can't say there's no groups. Because Paul says, when I want to pursue that group with the gospel, I'm willing to put myself like them. And show them that I'm like them. Because I am a Jew. But man, if I'm talking to the Gentiles, I'm not going to put my Jewish hat on. Because I'm in Christ and so are they. So, Again, the scriptures are really broad in addressing the reality of our oneness, but also our difference. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And a a place where we see that lived out as well is, um, I think it's in Galatians where Paul says, neither circumcision, in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. So there's no uh, salvific merit to circumcision. But then in Acts 16, right after the Jerusalem Council, he goes and circumcises Timothy for the sake of mission. Yeah, well, and Timothy so, had a Gentile father and a Jewish mother, right? Yeah. And Timothy did not have to be circumcised. It's one of my favorite passages yeah. in all of it. It's only four verses. Yeah. But Paul and Timothy are going to travel around to deliver the letter from the Jerusalem Council, which says Gentiles don't need to be circumcised. <laughs> and yet Paul says to Timothy, hey, dude, like yeah. I think it'd be more effective if you deliver this letter <laughs> if you get circumcised. Like, you don't have to, but I think we should. So, I mean, Timothy's limping somewhere behind the Apostle Paul delivering this letter. And and it's an example yeah. of this being lived out in yeah. Paul's discipleship relationship yeah. with Timothy. Yeah. It's pretty profound. Yeah, so it's not required, um, and it ought not to be required, but it, you know, they can willingly willingly do yeah. that, willingly go to the other people. So, But we're not just talking about discipleship, and we're not just trying to talk about mission philosophy. What we're relating this to, though, is the Bible does differentiate. So, what are some of the terms yeah. that the Bible would use? Yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, we mentioned Revelation 7 earlier. You see those on the notes that are looking, but right, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. These are categories that Scripture actually uses um, a couple times um, to describe kind of the, the wholeness of, of humanity, right? There's different tribes, there's different tongues, different languages, different Nations or, or ethnicities is that word. That's where we get that word from. And different people. So these are biblical categories. Um, and it's fine. It's, it's even good to see those different categories. The word nation mm-hmm. often also translated Gentile yeah. is the word from which we get ethnicity. It's ethnos, yeah. right? And so I think that's one of the things that we will talk more about this upcoming Sunday. But do I seek to use biblical words when I can yeah. to sift through other words that are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but might have yeah. either an unnecessary appeal or not be helpful or not yeah. be understood because people mean different things, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think that's not just about racial realities. Um, an example I used on Sunday yeah. was in the psychological realm, right? If somebody says to me, we must deal with that, narcissistic individual or uses narcissism to describe someone. Narcissism is a real thing, I do believe. But what's a biblical word that would help me have a dialogue when I don't really know what someone else means by narcissism? narcissism? Yeah. 
of the book of words. That's all. I mean, lots of them. But pride, pride. arrogance, haughty, haughty. Right. So, so we should, I think, in our consideration of the differentness among us, or even the actions that we do, yeah. seek to look at how does the Bible describe these realities among yeah. humanity. Yeah. And that will be a real good guiding kind of yeah. way of practicing or discussing many of these complicated realities right. in our day. Yeah. Yeah. And part of you know, as we think about language, we're going to talk about. I mean, this carries into both weeks. Um, part of our terms and language is, is how we think about things, right? Just kind of internally, like how am I thinking about it? But part of it also is communication. And anytime we're communicating, we at least have to think about how the other person's hearing whatever I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you know, the better I know someone, the better I can kind of anticipate that. Like, well, something happened and our video cut off, but we're resuming here and I'm sure it's at a slightly different angle, but we're still here in our seats. We and, should uh, switch places. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Take four. Um, talking about communication and knowing, I, I want to know what I need to say, but also I want to know what this person is going to hear or anticipate, try to anticipate that. And so as we think about these terms of race and ethnicity, I mean, the, the term race um, sometimes conveys uh, some helpful things, but sometimes it has baggage. Yeah. And it's got uh, a lot of different things in its history, socially, biologically, uh, different ways that it's been used. So it's, and it's, I mean, it, it doesn't have a, a biblical heritage and even what it's trying to say. Um, and so uh, I, I will use the term race. I'll engage with people who use the term race. Um, but when, when I can, I, I think the word ethnicity is, is a much more helpful uh, term that, that captures um, a, a more biblical idea. But but I'm free to, to talk about race and enter in with that. Um, but as I do, as I talk with people about these things or, or read something or, or listen to something on the news or podcast, like, I want to be thinking, with, if they said race or if they said ethnicity or if they said something else, well, how, how are they using that term? What do they mean? And so for you all, as, as you all talk to others, um, if somebody uses the word race and you're kind of trying to navigate that conversation, it may be a great thing to just ask them. What, you know, what do you mean? Like, when you say race, like, what, can you just tell me? Well, and it maybe even more, when you say racism or something like right. that, what, yep. what do you yep. mean? Um, it is just a general, I think, maybe, I don't want to re-record something, it just got cut off, but, uh, you know, we're talking about conversational maturity here. Yep. We're not just talking about anthropological foundations, right? Right, right. Or biblical, you know, a biblical right. grid. We, we want to know how to talk to others when we may or may not mean the same thing with the word we're using. Yeah. It happens frequently where AJ may say to me, um, I don't agree with what you just said. And so I'm trying to explain it. And he goes, well, I agree with that, but that's not what you said. And so there is a point at which yeah. like, we need others in conversation to help us understand sometimes yeah. what we're meaning or the way it came across and vice versa to ask. Yeah. So it's just conversational wisdom. Yeah. The This is sort of a rule of thumb, too, in languages, if I can find words in the scriptures that will help me converse with someone about any issue, uh-huh, uh-huh. it will be a conversation well served by God's yeah, word. Yeah, so yeah. if someone says to me, narcissism, that person is narcissistic or something, um, is narcissism a real thing? Yeah, I think it is. It's a, it's a description our culture uses a lot, though. Right. And I don't know exactly what another person means by that. But if I look in the scriptures, is there a word? Or two or three that right. are actually common words, common descriptions, yeah. and the gospel addresses pride, haughtiness, arrogance, yeah. very directly, and yeah. gives me actually an ability to navigate scripture's assessment of something, as opposed to just being stuck trying to figure out a secular assessment or yeah. words I don't fully understand their meaning. Yeah. So I yeah. think this is a good rule of thumb. 
beyond just race and, race and ethnicity. Yeah. Um, because there are different descriptors. Yeah, yeah. Across our world that we need to let be different categories. Yeah. Um, gender, race, ethnicity, income, or yeah. class, yeah. Uh, different people's abilities, different people's personalities. Yeah. And as we mentioned Sunday, if someone's super introverted, and I don't want, they're just a human to me, I don't want to really think about kind of how they're wired, the way they function, I, I probably won't be as effective if I get up in the face of an introvert to tell them how much I love them and how yeah. excited I am yeah. to see them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, get away right. from me, right? right? Because they have a unique uh-huh. and, and, and personalized yeah. way of, yeah. of doing life in an introversion, right? So yeah. I need to respect that. Yeah. So part of what we're also talking about is just seeing the differences not necessarily needing to affirm or condone all the identifiers that people say, yeah. this is what I am and yeah. who I am. Yeah. But to say, I will be free yeah. to interact wisely, yeah. acknowledging some differences that are in our world. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So there's, there's distinctions, but not radical divisions. Or there's, these are helpful uh, uh, descriptors, but not identifiers in kind of this identity kind of way. The other way is, is to think about if, if we see these, um, some just kind of want to push them all aside. Like there's no descriptions, no differences, no, and like that's not really helpful either. So we want to yeah. see them, acknowledge them, but not exalt them in this way. Yeah. So that's our anthropological base foundation. Uh, but our second one here is is about justice. And so what do the scriptures say about justice? Uh, well, a couple things. The more could be said. Um, the first three passages here from Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and James essentially say that that biblical true justice is judgment or action without partiality. Right? There's no uh, partiality in it. And so right, if you're rendering judgment and you just kind of favor with the rich guy or with the poor guy or with the guy who brought you or with the guy who you know and you, know, you just want to give him a favor, like that's not just. Um, and so Scripture says that. Uh, the fourth passage, Leviticus 24, gives us two things. First, it gives us the, the lex talionis, which says uh, in uh, giving punishment for crime, you do it fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And so there's a there's a measurement. It should be a fitting thing. And so really we're, we're aiming to give each person what they are due. Right? That is just. If you go above that or below that, it's, it's not just. Um, the, the other thing Leviticus 24 says, that says you shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native. And so, again, so impartial and impartial and proportional. Yeah. A propor- that, that's good. Okay. Yep. That's great. Should have written that word down earlier. So if I'm understanding you correctly. Hey, that's a good word. Uh, and so, right, biblical justice is, is essentially biblical righteousness. Um, it's to do things without partiality, without, with the right proportion. And, and it's essentially conformity to God's law. Right? God's law is the standard by which we know what justice is. So, second thing there is God's justice and mercy. So what, what do we see in God himself and his character? And so, uh, one thing, the, these two attributes, justice and mercy, uh, go together in the scriptures. They're not kind of radically different things that have to be kept in tension. They actually go together. They're, they're unified. And so Exodus 34, we see this where God reveals himself to Moses and he says, I'm a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And then he goes on and says, but who will by no means clear the guilty? And I'm going to visit that iniquity on the children of, the, of those people. And so he says something very similar in Deuteronomy 5 in the second commandment. And so God's justice and his mercy we, we see them lived out together. And really this is getting at the idea that in God, there's, there's not, he's not having tension in himself of, oh, should I be just here or should I be merciful here? 
He's being God. And he's perfectly consistent, but he's perfectly just and perfectly merciful. And those are not intention. Right. Um, the, the final uh, one here, or the, the next one there is Leviticus 19. In this passage, God actually legislates or, or commands mercy. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap right up to the, the edge, but you shall leave the edges and, and leave some, leave the gleanings uh, for the poor and, the, and for the sojourner. And so God essentially says that if, if you are not merciful in this way to help take care of those who don't have the means, then you're actually being unjust because you're breaking my law. Yeah. And so justice and mercy are, again, are together in how we live now. And they've got to be, because well, they have to, yeah, the gospel is ultimately mercy and justice yeah. connected by with, with the cross of Jesus in the middle. Of it, yeah. right? So Second Corinthians five twenty one, God made him who knew no sin to be sin, and he, and he bore the wrath for sin. So that is God's justice. Yeah. Why? Then we who are in Christ would experience His mercy. So mercy and justice come together in the gospel. So it has to be the core, yeah. the combination. Right of what it means for us to live out our lives in Christ. Right. So. Yep. And so what do we do with this? How do we build on this? Just a couple quick thoughts. Um, we're going to hit equity and equality next week, so we'll pass that. But uh, if God is just, we ought to seek to imitate that. Right. That, we see that calling throughout Scripture. We are to be like God. And so um, because he's just and righteous, we ought to seek to do that. And whatever um, roles God has given us to play in our lives, um, we should seek to bring about as much justice as possible, because that is pleasing to him. It, it, it reflects him. Uh, but secondly, we, ought, we, we must trust our just God. We must trust that in the end, God will be just, even when we can't accomplish perfect justice here in this life. Um, so Al Mohler has, has said that, that in this life we can only approximate biblical justice. Like we're never actually going to make it, because this is a sinful world with sinful people. We're not. We're never going to get there. And so in your own life, um, there will be unjust things that don't get dealt with justly. In other people's lives around you, there will be unjust things that don't get dealt with properly. But the calling we have is to, again, seek to bring about justice, but when we can't, to trust God. And so um, Matthew 5, Jesus basically says, I love your enemies. Like you, It's not yours to take vengeance. Romans 12, uh, Paul says, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So we, we leave that to God. First Peter 4 uh, says similar things uh, in the context of suffering. And so there will be things that, that are unresolved yep. in this life. But in the end, they will all be fully resolved, fully dealt with, because our God is just. Um, and the last thing on there is just living justly, living mercifully. And we, we ought to be doing this. We ought to seek to live justly, to, to do rightly, according to God's law. But we ought to also seek to live mercifully, to, to be kind, to be disposed to help, Others around us who are in need. Like that, that's to be merciful to them. And, and really, we do both of those things because each person around us is made in the image of God. So if he's an image bearer, if he reflects God, he deserves my mercy. Not because he does, but because God has said so. And he deserves my justice as well. Your culminating in that point is just... It's very real to me that it only can be the place we land if we have a biblical view of man... Yeah. And a biblical view of God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of been the two sides of what we've been talking about. Yeah. We must understand that we are one with all mankind, and that we ought be embodying the justice and mercy that God has. It is Him, but yeah. it's also the way He's loved us in the gospel, justice yeah. and mercy, as we've already said. 
So therefore, when I see anybody, no matter how different we may appear, if I understand them or if I don't, if I will hold those two things as my realities, it will change the moment. Yeah. Uh, totally. Small little anecdote. Walked into church last week. It was a rainy day. There was a homeless individual sitting on the steps. Yeah. We've been doing some work in this, and I think it, it just kind of is underneath kind of the way I'm thinking, saying, okay, it's easy for me to say, I've got so much to do, let's make sure that I'm kind and cordial, but I really need to go inside. Not necessarily wrong if that's the case at certain times in life, but what does it look like just to say, because of who God is, and because of who this individual is as an image bearer of God, I have an obligation in this moment. Yeah. Anthropology is connected to a view of God, and I need to have them connected in the mm-hmm. moment, and that then will guide me and yeah. how the conversation goes from there. Yeah. So I just think it's very real yeah. that we see this lived out, yeah. the two sides of what we've looked yeah. at the last hour. Absolutely. So hopefully this is a helpful foundation. I, th- I think it is. Um, but next week, um, we invite you to, to come and basically we're going to continue to build on this foundation, really kind of take what we've been talking about it and, and apply it to, to our cultural moment. I mean, a lot of the, the racial talk and thought of, of today, and, and how does this interact with that? What do we do with this? How do we even begin to engage with, with neighbors and friends and family members and other things like that? So. Yeah, so a thought you could just think about as you go about is how is the world around us telling you and me to regard other people made in the image of God? I think if we just have that question, that's ultimately where we're going to go in some of the things we talked about on Sunday, specifically with regards to race. Yeah, yeah. And then some. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you then. Thank you.